This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. LSU opening up Southeastern Conference play with Vanderbilt on Saturday at 11 a.m. Central on the SEC Network. I'm Billy Embody, and with me to preview LSU Vandy, Shay Dixon, Sonny Ship, Shay, uh, start us off, man. Uh, how are you feeling this week? Man, I braved through, uh, battling a little bit of sickness, but uh, I'm managing. I'll make it to week four. Uh, the goal was to get to four and zero. I'm, I'm there. I, I feel like I, uh, I'm moving towards four and zero myself right now. And Sonny, you've been battling a little something there too, man. Uh, uh, you guys both both aren't going to sit out this week like uh, LSU's having some of its guys do, but uh, you're feeling better? Yeah, man, somebody had to pick up the slack for Shea, so, you know, I couldn't afford to be sick this week. But yeah, man, I'll tell really you what. <laughs> i tell you what, Saturday is, um, you know, I like these early morning kicks like this. Um, I know you don't, Billy, since you're going to be in Nashville. But I like to get the game get the game out of the way, get it over with, and then just kind of sit back and just watch. You got some good football on to watch. You got Notre Dame and Georgia at night. You got Auburn and Texas A and M playing, and so uh, you know you got a lot of good football to watch. And don't like it when they have the early morning kicks in Tiger Stadium, which I think is which I think is pretty much outlawed now. But the early kicks on the road, Tigers usually struggle early on. We'll see if that happens again. No, I I, I am for the uh, early kick, even though I'll be in Nashville for this one. I am I am all about getting this one. But if if it was if they were on the road in Athens or somewhere else like that, that would be a little different for me. But uh, in a cool city like Nashville, I'll get in, have a little dinner, go out, have a good time on on Friday night, wake up, hit the stadium, hit the game, and then. Uh, you know, do a little post game action and and then uh, hit Broadway for the rest of the day. Enjoy enjoy quite the the college football evening slate, especially. Not to mention you get to hang with. Not to mention you get to hang with all the twenty four seven groupies that'll be there since uh, headquarters is there in Nashville. Yeah, and Shay, they were all asking about you. So, I mean, I, I think I know where I stand on the on the totem pole. That everybody was saying, oh, "I thought Shay was coming in. I thought Shay was coming in." But yeah, the, I, I'm on I'm on IR right now. Actually, I'm not on IR. They didn't place me on IR. I'm just sitting this game. Me and Caleb on and Glenn and Richard are are, uh, are going to sit this one out. What are we betting percentage wise? The stands will be. Is it going to be more than fifty percent LSU? Like some people were saying it might be like 70% LSU based off of what Georgia did there a few weeks back. I, I, I think it ends up being like 50 because I, I think the early kick and we saw it on some of our boards on go 24 seven. A lot of people said, Oh, I was in until the 11 AM kick. Now for me, if you were driving in the day of, I would, I would be all about the get in early for the kick and then go enjoy Nashville. Um, but again, that, maybe I'm just a little bit, 
different um, in that respect. But I, I, I think the split will probably still be I, – I won't say the split will be 50-50. It's probably going to end up being more like 70-30. But in terms of the, the packing the whole stadium, I don't, I don't think they're going to you know, do what Georgia did uh, a few weeks back, Sonny. No, I think L- I think I think LSU fans will definitely outnumber Vanderbilt fans, but I also think that the open seats will probably double what Vandy will have fan wise. Bull prediction, bull prediction. Um, something that uh, as we're going to turn our attention now, kind of to the uh, um, actual game on the field uh, that'll be taking place. Uh, LSU is is coming in a little bit banged up to this one. Ed Ogeron being pretty careful with some of these injuries on the defensive front. And then on Thursday night, in his final media availability, he also alluded to uh, Sadiq Charles probably not going to play in this one, calling it coach's decision. He's available, but we'll, we're, you know, we'll see, unsure. You know, wouldn't elaborate on it like he has all year. But guys, and, and Shay, I guess I'll start with you since you're, you're sitting on the pup list with these guys. Caleb on Chasson, Richard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, and now Todd Harris out for the year. Um, this is a defense that this is a game where when you're facing Keyshawn Vaughn and Riley Neal had a little bit of success against Georgia, you're going to see them kind of work through what this defense is going to start to you know look like, at least in the secondary for the rest of the year with, with Todd out. Um, but they've also moved around guys like Michael Divinity. What are you expecting from, from kind of the ragtag bunch, bunch that they're going to be rolling out on, on Saturday? Yeah, I was I was saying to you guys before the podcast started that the last time that they took a road trip down this many, at least on the D line, and I guess if you throw in Chase on in the front seven or at least your pass rushers, would have been the Mississippi State game two years ago when they went up to Starkville, and they already were shorthanded on the D line, and a couple guys got hurt, and Neil Farrell got kicked out of the game, and uh, they lost by like thirty points. Um, now I don't think this Vanderbilt team is. Uh, is as talented as that state team was. I think that that state team ran an offense that um, really just kind of played right into the weaknesses that LSU had that day. Uh, I don't see that with Vanderbilt. I'm I'm looking through. They've only played two games, so you don't have the, the full stats to compare with what LSU's had through three games. But 32 attempts on two games for Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, carrying the football, 130 yards, a touchdown. So, I mean, you imagine he may get somewhere in the range of 15 to 20 touches, and they weren't really giving the ball to anybody else uh, in those past two games. It was only Vaughn. Uh, and then you look at the receivers, and it's been uh, a lot of talk about Jared Pinkney, their big tight end, but uh, Kalijah Lipscomb uh, is a guy who's the only one into double-digit catches right now. Chris Pierce had a big game in there. Um, but I think that it's going to come down to if if LSU is able to – and let me backtrack. I think one thing Orgeron really wants to do is generate a pass rush with four down linemen. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen this weekend just because you are without um, a handful of your starters, you know, or even three down linemen. So I think that Divinity moving to an outside linebacker spot will help him there. I think that, as Orgeron said, he'll rush a lot more than he's going to drop. So you've got that going for you. Then we've seen Spark. I've liked Neil Farrell so far. I thought he's played well. So I think giving him some more reps will be good for him. I think he could turn in a nice game. I know it's going to hurt not having a couple of guys, but Tyler Shelvin's been huge for them. You can always move Fahoko inside if you need to. You still have Ika, who's kind of been battling some injuries. Joe Evans is back there. But I think for me, a lot of this game is going to come down to how well they're tackling in the front seven, uh, how well they can keep 
um, kind of the run game in check with uh, with what Keyshawn Vaughn and, and Vanderbilt's going to want to do on offense. But if Justin Thomas and Farrell and Shelvin and Queen um, and you go through, you know, the linebacker Jacob Phillips, uh, Damone Clark, if all those guys are playing well, uh, then I, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be able to throw the ball a bunch. I don't think Riley Neal, Neal's going to have some unbelievable game. He's average. I mean, he's thrown the ball 60 times this year in two games. So let's say he throws it more than 30 times this game. I don't see him picking LSU apart or anything like that. I know they've had their trouble in the back end at times, but uh, I've got faith in Fulton and Stingley. Certainly, I think that Kerry Vincent picks his game up. I think it's about time we see Delpit and Jacoby Stevens really both put together a really nice game at the same time. That could be this weekend. So I'm sort of in the camp that I'm putting a lot more on the front seven than I'm worried about the defensive backs, even though that's sort of been the issue for them so far, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and Sonny, I, I think you, you've, you've shared your thoughts on kind of Todd Harris's impact, and certainly you hate to see a guy go down, but do you think the secondary can improve with, without him? Because I'm not in the boat where Kerry Vincent Jr. moving to free safety and then kind of toying around with your nickel position or having Jacoby Stevens back there at free safety. I, I just don't – for me, that doesn't really, I think, solve – the, the issues that I think you, you could see from the secondary. No, but, you know, to, to piggyback on what Shay said, uh, when talking about Neil Farrell, who would have thought Neil Farrell would be your fourth leading tackler and doubling your, uh, your next best defensive lineman in tackles. He's got 15 on the year. I think he's played really, really well. Uh, 15 on the year. Tyler Shelvin's next with seven tackles. And when you go down, you know, Raleigh Neal has shown that he could throw the ball in that, you know, in that gunslinging contest that they had with Purdue where both quarterbacks were just throwing the ball all over the field. But doing that against LSU's defense, you know, is going to be a is going to be a different task. You know, LSU has to muster some pressure. Um, you know, and I think Michael Divinity he led L- he tied for the team lead in sacks last year with five. Moving him to the outside gives LSU uh, gives LSU a a solid not not in a, a, a special pass rusher in my opinion, but a solid pass rusher. Then Dave Aranda if he can draw up some blitzes to get Raleigh Neal keep him from getting comfortable because Vanderbilt has some weapons. They've got some weapons at wide receiver. Kalaja Lipscomb, New Orleans native, led the SEC last year in receiving. Chris Pierce, speedster, who's broken some uh, some long plays for him this year. And then Jared Pinckney. I think Jared Pinckney is going to present a really tough matchup for LSU's linebackers. You know, we look at we look at LSU's secondary and say how they've struggled this year, but the underneath – the the linebackers dropping in coverage, Jacob Phillips, Patrick Queen, even Divinity, um, you know they've really struggled, and that's going to present some interesting uh, matchups when you have a future NFL tight end and Jared Pinckney. And then, like you alluded to, what does LSU do at free safety? I'm not sure that Kerry Vincent is the answer at free safety, um, but I'm not sure who is right now at this point. You know, we know what you have in Grant Delpit. Personally, I'd like to see Grant Delpit as that guy who who is going to to run the alley and who's going to be the guy who's basically your center fielder, Jacoby Stevens, up a little closer to the line. And you really hope that that Dave Aranda 
employs the defense that you saw in the second half against Northwestern to where there was, you know, the first half, it was, it, it was really loose coverage. It was guys looking at one another, pointing fingers at one another. And to me, when, when you, when the guys play off looser coverage, more off man, they're having to think a little bit more, you know, they're having to think about holes. They're having to think about getting to open space. You know, I want to see LSU. I want to see this group just go back to being the LSU defensive, you know, secondary to where they get up there. They don't give you, they don't give the receivers the free releases on the, on the, off the line. They're up in their face. And it's like, Hey, let you beat me. Let's see you beat me. You know, team struggled to do that against Christian Fulton last year. Yeah. He has some struggles against Texas, but you're still talking about a potential first round pick. Derek Stingley has played uh, has played very very well this year. Lived up to that five star ranking that he had coming out of high school, and I'd like to see Kerry Vincent playing more closer to the line. You know, I'd like to see him covering the slot. I'd I would I don't know if he's as comfortable playing safety back there. So you know, just just some tweaks that I would like to see. But for me. It all starts up front. You've got to generate some sacks. LSU's got eight on the season, had five against Texas. They're tied for fourth in the SEC. And if they can get Riley Neal moving from side to side, not letting him get comfortable, I think that's going to uh, help the secondary immensely. And, and they have have a lot to deal with in, in Riley Neal and, and Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, is it as simple as as them shutting down Keyshawn Vaughn in the in the run game this this uh, this game, Shay? I mean, that's I think it is. I mean, I think that if you can shut down the run game and force Riley Neal to have to win this game with his arm, to put to extend drives with his arm, get him into some second and third and long situations, like um, like some of you guys were saying that if, if you can dial up some, some pressure and actually put them behind the sticks, uh, then I think that LSU is at an advantage. Again, I'm not, I'm not completely sold even with an injury to Todd Harris that the defensive backs are, you know, the biggest eyesore on LSU's team right now. I think that they can turn in a big game. I'm not convinced at all, really, that Chris Pearson and Clyde Lipscomb are guys that can, you know, all day take advantage of, of guys like Fulton and Stingley. I think both those guys will lock them up well. I probably think that the one guy that can move the chains for him in tough situations would be Pinkney. So you've got to have someone who can guard a big NFL-style tight end who's got five catches on the year, but he's averaging 15 yards a catch. So he's a guy that can move the sticks for you. I just think that as long as they're able to keep the running game in check to the, you know, let's say he's carrying it again 15, 20 times, as long as he's not averaging more than four yards a carry, as long as – uh, you know, he's not out here you know, going 80, 100 yards in the game, then I think they're fine. And then they're going to have to throw the football more and more if LSU's going to run. And I said this in our preview. I don't necessarily think LSU's going to be running tempo nonstop because I think that they want to at least give their defense a chance at some rest um, just with some bodies out. But I do think that LSU's going to be scoring at a high clip. And because of that, I think Vanderbilt's going to have to be playing catch up in a sense. And if they're able to consistently just shut down the running game and, and just take that out of the equation, then I don't think that Vanderbilt's going to be able to, you know, put up 20, get into the twenties, even uh, throwing the football on this LSU defense. I just don't see it happening uh, from a team that yes, they've only played a couple of games, but they're averaging one touchdown a game, throwing it and half an interception. So for every touchdown, every two touchdowns they are throwing a pick. So not a dynamic throwing offense by any stretch of the imagination. They've really got 
three guys that they rely heavily on, one of them being a tight end. So I think that the outsides are going to be locked down. I honestly think this might be, and let's toss out Georgia Southern because they didn't throw the football. This will probably be the best showing we've seen from the defensive backs so far. Obviously, it's not going to be hard to beat the Texas game, but I think we'll see more of what we saw in the second half versus uh, Georgia Southern, or excuse me, versus Northwestern State in terms of really dialed in, playing for 60 minutes, and not allowing just kind of a number of big plays we saw in the first half of that game, just busted coverages and just not guarding people. I mean, not knowing your assignments. I think if everyone is just playing to their assignment, playing their role, then they'll get out of there fine. And that's what I anticipate them doing. I think that they'll shut down the run game early and outside of maybe a sustained drive or two, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be able to move the football a ton. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be – and look, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm more than okay with them uh, controlling the clock and, and kind of slowing things down a little bit. But here, here's the thing and, and why I think that might not be the case is Ed Ogeron, when he's been asked all year, hey, is this the way you're going to play? Is this – you're always going to go, you know, kind of aggressiveness and, and all that. He said, yeah, and, and that's kind of uh, what they're going to end up doing. And um, so, look, I mean, I, I think we we can uh, talk more about the offensive uh, side of the ball on the other side of this break. But um, just for me, heading into the break, um, I, I, think, I think this is an offense that's going to keep its foot on the gas. And we'll talk more about why uh, on the flip side of this break uh, from the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll be right back after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. This is a quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Go 24-7 podcast. Billy Embody, Shea Dixon, Sonny Ship, back here on the pod. And what I was saying before the break, guys, was they, they want to play aggressive. They want to keep, keep you know, their foot on the gas. And, and I don't think that necessarily changes. I, I do think LSU wants to run the ball more um, and at least have more success doing it. But in terms of the tempo, I have a tough time uh, seeing them change that up, Sonny. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, L- you know, L- LSU is what it is. They've been working on this all spring, all summer, all through fall camp. You've seen it through three games. The difference that I think you might see is if they can get up if they can get up a couple of scores, uh, you know, early on, you might see them slow it down then. But I don't think it's going to be a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you'll see them do that until they, until they get a little comfortable there. But you know, Vanderbilt has to find a way to disrupt that LSU passing game, and 
with Joe Burrow getting rid of the ball on an average of uh, 2.43 seconds, uh, SEC StatCat, really cool site that goes in-depth uh, looking at the stats and stuff. That's, um, you know, against a defense that has is the only team in the conference who has not registered a sack yet. Uh, so that's going to be tough. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt's not going to be able to just line up and go head-to-head with LSU's receivers. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase, he's supposed to be back this week. Uh, his dad told me he's making the trip to Nashville, so that tells you right there that that Chase will be back in the lineup after missing last week. So LSU will have its starting trio of Justin Jefferson, who is number two in the country in receiving yards, Terrace Marshall, who leads the nation with six receiving touchdowns. You throw Chase back in there. Spawn Sullivan kind of had a little coming out party last week against Northwestern with some catches. You saw Derek Dillon, John Trey Kirkland. 19 different guys have caught the ball for LSU this season. That's a staggering number right there. That's a staggering stat. Almost as staggering as Joe Burrow completing 83.3% of his throws. You know, you're talking about a guy who until 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 week 9 of last year, you know, the first 8 games, he was he was bar- he was barely above that 50% mark, probably in that 52-53% mark. And now all of a sudden he's 30% higher this year. That is just an absolutely staggering number for me right there. Uh, you know, I think Vanderbilt's going to have to try to attack the left side of LSU's offensive line. Adrian McGee's had some struggles there at guard. If Charles is out like we expect, you'll have Dara Rosenthal or Badara Traore. Uh, one of those guys starting, Rosenthal started last year. Traore played a lot of the second half against Northwestern. So to me, that's an obvious area that Vanderbilt's going to have to try to attack to get some, you know, to try to generate some pressure on Burrow. But it's a, uh, you know, it's uncharacteristic of Vanderbilt to not be strong on the defensive side of the ball. And so far through two games, they gave up well over 300 yards rushing against Georgia. Purdue came back the following week. Their quarterback threw for um, a crazy amount, 509 yards and five touchdowns. And then TCU limited that same guy to 44% passing and only 181 yards the next week. So that tells you right there that, that, you know, that wasn't Drew Brees under center for the, uh, for the Boilermakers. But, you know, that's a, uh, that's a big key. That, that's something that Derek Mason has to figure out is how to slow down that LSU passing attack because, you know, that's the one area right there that is just flying as high as it could possibly uh, fly right now. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, I, I think, yeah, this team is is going to be very much kind of a team game, but when you look at the Heisman race, too, I have kind of this inkling that Ed Ogeron, Ed, Ed Ogeron would love to continue to have Joe Burrow be in that mix, helps with recruiting, helps get, again, the, the news about this new offense out there more and more. Shay, uh, do you think in games like this that could maybe play a factor in, in them tossing around the ball a little bit more? I mean, it could. Uh, you know, I think that Orgeron wants to get the win more than anything else, but I think that they'll go hand-in-hand hand for this reason largely. I think that Orgeron knows for a fact right now that the best thing that they do is throw football. And 
They're going to throw the football to set up the run, which he talked about a lot this past week. Um, I think he's confident in letting Burrow, you know, get back there and and get it to uh, really all three of the starting wide receivers. And you mentioned others who obviously had big games last week, but you run those three out right away. You've got Thaddeus Moss. I think they feel comfortable continuing to put the ball in the air. And if Burrow's playing, you know, if they're winning and he's playing through three quarters, he's going to put up big numbers and that's going to go right along with kind of the Heisman push he's been having. So I think they go hand in hand. I don't know how much Orgeron's going to be thinking, uh, all right, we need to stack up Burrow's numbers. But I do think that they realize the thing that they do better. The reason Burrow's in the Heisman race is because they're really good at throwing the football. As crazy as that sounds for us to talk about on the LSU podcast, they're better at throwing the football than they are running it. That's not a knock on Edward D. or any of them. Right now they've just proven that, you know, going through the air, going tempo uh, is what really can move move the chains for them and, and get points. And they've been so good in the red zone, even throwing then. So, yeah, I think that, we're going to see him. He wants to win, and they want to win convincingly. So I think that because of that, they're going to continue to put the game on Burrow's arm more than anything else. And I'll say this, too, and maybe we see it later in the year. I thought this was going to be a year with a lot of Burrow-designed runs, and it hasn't been at all. And I think that they're. Pro- I think in a way they're maybe even a little surprised by that because I think that they're throwing it better than they even anticipated with this new offense. And I don't think anyone's complaining, but – uh, I think in a way it sort of shifted it to where, yeah, Burrow's going to stay in the Heisman race because the way that they, you know, maneuver on offense right now is just putting the ball in the air nonstop. Yeah, great, great point there. I'm interested to see if they end up running the the football uh, with him more and more as they get into games like Florida or Auburn or Alabama. But look, uh, that is in the future. That is far out. Um, especially when it comes to them having a bye week and then Utah State coming in and then Florida. But let's uh, go ahead and get to some predictions here. Sonny, uh, you want to lead us off uh, with this one? What do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I do think that LSU will try to get the running game going a little bit more this week. Uh, you know, they're 13th in the conference right now. Oklahoma has proven that you can throw the ball and run and run the ball equally effective, leading to Big 12 in both categories. Clemson's number two in the ACC in both of those categories. So LSU has to get that that number 13 ranking in the conference at 115 yards rushing a game. Uh, they have to get that up. Uh, with that said, I don't think that uh, that they're going to take their foot off the pedal uh, this week. You know. For me, when I look at the early morning kickoff, I do think that LSU is going to come out and that they're going to move the ball. But with the early kick, I think there's going to be some hiccups here and there that's going to uh, make them not as efficient in the red zone. They'll have to settle for a couple of field goals. And I'm not going to be surprised at all if I'm if you're looking at a 13-7 to 7 type of score after the first half. But I think the second half is a different story. Everybody wakes up, everybody comes out, they put their foot on the pedal, and uh, I've got LSU 41 to 13. And Shay, uh, what about you? Do, you? do you feel the same? Do you, do you think there, there's any kind of morning, morning, ha- morning hangover? You know, I don't know. I, I don't think that there'll be much of a morning hangover with the offense. I think that, that Burrow and them are just going to continue to just come out and uh, and play as they've been playing. Um, I could see maybe the defense, you know, a bandy in a way almost like happened against Northwestern State where the first couple of drives of the game might be sustained a bit. They'll work the clock. All of a sudden you're through the first quarter and you're like, man, we're not 
winning big yet, but uh, obviously I, I think that LSU is able to pull away. I, I do think it'll be interesting just to see how the front seven looks without three or four starters, you know, and, and at least three in Logan and, and Lawrence and Chase on. Um, but I do think it's a good chance for some other guys, and, and we sing Neil Farrell's praises, but even other guys, Justin Thomas uh, and whoever else, the Hoko, uh, to turn in a good game to prove that uh, that you've made a jump. Uh, I think that this one will be maybe like a 14-point game at half, and then I could see it being, I think I had 37-14 for the final. So I didn't go over 40 points, but I guess I have them. What is the line? I, I think I have them winning by 23, and it's like right around that. So I think that'll be uh, that'll be kind of how it plays out in terms of right about what Vegas thinks. LSU gets to about 40. Vandy scores a couple of touchdowns. Kind of a sleepwalking of a game, uh, sleepwalking type game, uh, just because it's early. But I don't expect LSU to have any hiccups. They didn't have any hiccups in Austin throwing the football. They've looked pretty consistent through the first three weeks. I don't have any real reason to believe that won't be the case this weekend. Sonny shared some of those defensive stats from Vanderbilt. Uh, which would lead me to believe that uh, my point is probably going to be correct. Um, and, I, again, like I said, maybe Vandy scores a couple of touchdowns. Uh, we've seen some busted plays before by this LSU defense. I would think that they would have that cleaned up. But even if it is long drives and they get in the end zone, they're not going to be able to run with LSU all day. And, and maybe, Billy, that's the answer to your question when you ask, are they going to put up Joe Burrow, you know, push towards the Burrow-Heisman campaign, uh, continuing that forward motion – I think the key to just leaving Vanderbilt in the dust is just throw the football on them and just keep moving down the field with big plays and uh, and run a little bit of tempo here and there. I think they'll do that. Eventually, I think they'll pull back the reins a bit and run the clock down in the fourth quarter. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. I bet that they win by between 21 and 28 points. So if you want to take take LSU and, and the points or minus the points, then do it. If you want Vandy, do it. I, I'm really 50-50. I could see this one going any way in that regard. Yeah, and, and for me, I've got them winning 45 to 10, uh, maybe a late touchdown by Vanderbilt. I just don't have much confidence in, in the Commodores to move the football at all, um, even with the, the injuries on LSU's defensive front. And, and maybe that, I mean, maybe that late touchdown that I, that I think they could score as a product of some younger guys getting in, trying to avoid injuries with other guys. But I think Joe Burrow has another dominant performance. Maybe you see some, some of the other running backs continue to get some reps in there, uh, maybe more of a running back by committee approach, uh, depending on who they travel and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, this, I don't worry as much about this team in terms of starting slow or things like that. And it'll, it'll happen at some point this year. Will it be tomorrow? It could be. Um, but I, I just think they're, especially after the way they started last week, I don't, I don't see them messing around this week. I think the, the message will be heard loud and clear throughout this week. Um, to, to kind of bounce back and show that show the strong start and and do all those things. Um, Sonny, anything else on this one, Shay? Uh, after Sonny, anything else you guys got on uh, this matchup? No, I uh, you know I, I feel I feel like uh, you know LSU is going to go there and they're going to they're going to take care of, they're going to take care of business. It's not going to be as you know, it's not going to be as pretty. Early morning games never are. Uh, mimosas and Bloody Marys instead of bourbon is something that LSU fans are not accustomed to. I know that you're a mimosa man, Wild Bills, so that'll be right up your alley. But most Tiger fans will probably uh, be struggling from a night on Broadway. And, uh, you know, I think the Tigers will a little bit early. But, hey, 
four and zero is the key. They come in, they're four and zero. You've got a third of the season done. You're four and zero. You're flying high. You're the talk of college football. You'll have a bye week, and then you get a Utah State team coming in to where there'll be a little uh, there'll be a little hype on that one just because of Utah State. Um, quarterback Jordan Love who's an NFL prospect and there's going to be a lot of talk about that but you know Ed Orgeron I think that if they handle their business like I expect them to this weekend that he's going to have them in a good position and then it's uh you know from there you tackle the second part of the schedule yeah is it I guess I mean I'm not going through the whole podcast without mentioning my man Jarrell Cherry is this like a now or never moment I mean how many other games are they going to be playing a team that's well, I guess there there are some bad teams that they play on the back end. I mean, I don't think Arkansas or any of them are all that great. Um, but they're missing two starting DNs. They've already moved guys like TK McClendon over to the other side. We know that they're going to want to have to play Justin Thomas and Neil Farrell. So maybe we're going to see some Jarrell Cherry action this weekend. I don't know. If not, then I'm, I don't think I have any hope for this year, and I'm just going to have to suck that one up. Yeah, that hype train is uh... – I, I don't know if it's it's leaving the station, but I mean, maybe the if, if it doesn't happen this week, is the train canceled? Do trains like get canceled, or do they just kind of get rerouted to different? To the different man places? was carrying bricks in his backpack and went from two twenty to two seventy. I've got faith in him. This train's leaving the station. I'm watch out for Jarrell Cherry. What number is he? I'm I'm leaving his fan club. I don't even know his number. Watch out for Jarrell Cherry this weekend. I'll just say that. And that's no inside scoop either. He may not even be playing for all I know, but what number 55 there. I've Googled it quickly. 55 in your playbooks, number one in your heart. LSU's redshirt freshman out of your neck of the woods, Wild Bill, Dallas, Carter High. Maybe this is the weekend we see him get a little bit of action. Well, for your sake, I, I hope so. But, um, guys, uh, I think Thank we've you. gone uh, enough. I'm going to uh, do my best to hold it down uh, for you guys in Nashville. Shay, you'll be missed. Uh, I'll give everybody your regards. Sonny as well. Um, I know uh, last time we were together in Nashville, we had quite the time. Yeah, you'll have to do this one on your own, Wild Bill, but we've got ultimate faith in you. That's why, that's why you've earned your nickname. Well, uh, we'll uh, I'll keep you guys updated, and and of course, if you don't hear from me around game time, uh, I assume just everything is is all in good hands. But I'll be there uh, noon time in Nashville. I get a little reprieve with the Eastern start time there. Um, looking forward to it, um, guys. Uh, been a good pod. Looking forward to this weekend in Nashville. If you guys see me out and about or see me at the game, say what's up. Um, and uh, think we'll be uh, another uh, LSU win under its belt uh, after this 11 a.m. kickoff uh, central time on the SEC network as the Tigers take on the Commodores to open SEC play. For Shea Dixon, Sonny Ship, I'm Billy Embody. This has been the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.